Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. I had committed one day to teach on the secret of points of contact. Hallelujah. Today I want to teach about the secret of points of contact or the mystery of points of conduct. Many of you have heard of this thing and it has grossly been abused actually by those who don't know its meaning or who are bent. The Bible speaks of men who are evil and crafty, the slay of wicked men which lie in wait to take captive of some which are gullible. The Bible says they lie in wait to deceive. Ephesians 4.14 They lie in wait to deceive. There are people in this world who masquerade themselves as ministers of the gospel. They are cunning and crafty. And the Bible says they lie in wait to deceive. Somebody makes a plan and says, how much can I take from these people? Then he gets a prophetic word. Ah, the gullible, giving. So this thing called point of contact has been grossly abused by the slay of men and their cunning craftiness. That is why the Bible emphasizes in Ephesians. That's why you have men who have been appointed in office by God to perfect you for the work of ministry to the edification of the body. Until we all come, the Bible says, to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son and to a perfect man and to the measure of the stature of Christ that we might not be babes which are tossed to and fro by every wave of doctrine. They tell you this, you run with it. They tell you that, you run with that. Until you're planted right, you cannot escape such madness. And I use that word deliberately. In Mark chapter 5 verses 24, if you'll allow me, let me read us a portion of scripture and then I'll get into the definition of this wonderful experience. Jesus is moving and many people are following him, thronging him, pressing on him. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, rather grew worse. So it's somebody who had been in a situation for 12 years. The kind of story I want to give you is of a person who had delayed in an issue. This will make more sense for those of you who have believed God for something for a long time and you have not seen an answer. Perhaps tonight if you get the revelation of what God is saying, you could get your miracle in Jesus' name. The Bible says she heard of Jesus. She heard of Jesus. I want you to note the language there. She had of Jesus. This is a deliberate language. Now, you see, when the Bible says she had of Christ, there's a difference. 
from if the Bible says she had of Jesus Christ and from she had of Jesus because Jesus was the identity of his physical form. Christ means the anointed one or the anointing. So Jesus Christ now gives us two pictures of this person. His representation as a human being but also his place as the anointed one of God. There are some people in Jesus' time who only knew Jesus, but they never knew the Christ. That is why at one particular point when he's doing miracles, the Bible says some of them were offended. Listen, they carried offense. And they said, is this not the son of Joseph? The son of Mary? Whose brothers and sisters are so and so? Jose, Judah, and Simon. Why? Because they knew him as Jesus. The Bible says they were offended at him. Read Mark 6, 3. He says, is this not the carpenter? The son of Mary, the brother of James, Jose, and of Judah and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us. And the Bible says they were offended. Verses 4, but Jesus said unto them, a prophet is without honor, but in his own country, among his own kin and his own house. There are people who will never receive from me because I'm Ugandan. If I was in, say, a certain country like Ghana or, you know, ah, my God, they'll pay every price. But I'm Ugandan. So I'm grace. See, verse 4 says, Jesus said, not Jesus Christ. You get it? There are people who might never receive from me because I'm related to them. There are people who might never receive from me because I went to the same school with them. Because I'm blood related to them. I know it. Hallelujah. So he says a prophet is without honor, but in his own country. Why? Because they only knew Jesus the carpenter. Not beyond that. You meet a person and you have the anointing to heal them. And they know you as grace, my OB. <laughs> you understand? And that's all right. Because God sent us into the world. We still have a big number of people to influence. You see? But I wanted you to separate the difference between when the Bible addresses him as Jesus and when the Bible addresses him as Jesus Christ. Or when the Bible addresses him only as the Christ. So he asks his disciples, who do men say I am? Some say you are John the Baptist. Some say you are Elias. Some say you're one of those old prophets risen again. And he said but to them, but who do you say I am? And Peter answering said, Luke 9, 19, you are the Christ of God. He didn't say you're Jesus the son of Joseph. He said, ye are the Christ of God. He didn't say you are Jesus Christ. He says, ye are the Christ of God. And Jesus tells him, flesh and blood could not have revealed this to you, except my father, which is in heaven. He's the one who could have imprinted such a truth of reality for your spiritual experience and carry the language to call me so. Are you following what I'm saying? So, 
I want you to note that this lady which had an issue of blood for 12 years had of Jesus. In other words, the people that were coming to her and this is going to be so interesting. Revelation is amazing. Don't miss this. The people that come to her are telling her about a guy called Jesus who is healing the sick. That's their revelation. The revelation is simple. There's a man healing the sick, casting out devils. They're hearing about his name somewhere. But many of them reporting to her or as far as the information she had received of men or had of was only in the person of Jesus, not Christ. The Bible says, when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his garment, I shall be made whole. The literal translation there actually is, for she said in herself, she continually said to herself, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I might be healed. So that was a confession that was continuous. Some versions carry that translation. She continually said to herself, that if I but may touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. Mark 5, 28 tells us, for she kept saying, okay? So that's a continuous confession. And straight away, the Bible says, when she touched him, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee. Sayest thou who touched me? Oh, those of you who don't understand archaic English or King James. For you see the multitudes pressing on you. How do you say who touched me? Everybody's touching you. And he looked round about to see her that had done this. He knew everybody was touching him, but there was somebody who touched him. Distinctly. For virtue and anointing went out of him. And the Bible says, he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But when the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Hallelujah. So what is a point of contact? You're writing. A point of contact is the action taken as an expression of one's faith from the revelation they have received from God. That's a point of conduct. It's an action taken to express your faith from the revelation you have received of God. It's an action. And why is it called a point of contact? It is that deliberate move, that deliberate point where you connect to divinity by faith according to the revelation that you have of God. And I want you to underline that word revelation three times in your notes. A point of conduct can happen either by the person who has placed a demand 
on an anointed person by faith. One day, a young man came from Kenya and he was addicted to many drugs, even those which they say with this one you can't be delivered of. They took him to every rehab in the world. And in the world, I'm not saying the whole world, I mean everywhere they could get according to how much they could afford. And so the sister brings him on one of those night of prayers and they press through by force and the young man's faith and his sister was that if Apostle Grace shakes your hand, you're going to be free from drugs. So they press through, press through, press through. So after service, I see this wonderful Kenyan group coming to say hello. I'm exuberant as well to meet them. I stretch out my hand to greet a very skinny fellow. You could see he was not well. So I shook his hand. They come back a couple of months later into a year and they tell us that was the last time he put drugs in his body. Now, this was him provoking the power of God to work on his behalf because he believed that if he shakes my hand, he would be healed. Not everybody who shakes my hand is healed. But in this man's instance, it was the action he expressed by his revelation concerning the Lord's anointed. With such people, I don't even need to believe their faith. So you see with this woman, you see, let me explain how the anointing works. The Bible says the anointing is dynamic. Right? The anointing is dynamic in nature. When you pray and you stir the anointing of the spirit, it's dynamic in nature. That's why the Bible says that the honest, heartfelt, James 5.16, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available and the Bible says it's dynamic in its working dynamic meaning when the anointing is availed it will meet the need of whoever is ready to connect to it are you following what I'm saying that's how the anointing of the spirit works the Bible speaks once of Jesus the Bible says he searched to teach and the power to heal was present. That's what the Bible says in Luke 5.17. He says it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and of Judah and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord, the Bible says, was present to heal. The atmosphere was charged with a healing anointing. Now, that does not mean that everybody who is sick on that ground will be healed. Yet the anointing is available to heal the sick. Now those who are able to tap into it, to connect to it, those are them which get the miracle. Hallelujah. This is important for you to understand. Now you're seated here. There's somebody believing God for a job. The anointing is available for a job. But there's somebody believing God for marriage. The anointing is available for marriage. There's somebody believing God for promotion. The anointing for promotion is available. There's somebody believing God for a contract. The anointing for that contract is available. 
It's dynamic. It will work according to your need or needs, plural. But whether you're able to connect to it, it's another thing. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. However, on the exception of a man being able to put a demand by faith on the anointing operating on the Lord's minister, we've also seen an experience where ministers are able to present or create points of contact according to the consecration of their spiritual identity. You know, every one of us has a certain representation in the spirit that can either command things or respond to things a distinctive way according to your consecrations in God. Let me give you an example. Could there be somebody on this ground who once was sick and you dreamt me in a dream coming, laying hands on you and you woke up and you were healed? Stand up if you're that person. You ever dreamt me and you were sick and you woke up and you're healed. You see what I'm saying? Now, you may be seated. I didn't pray for them physically but there is an identity that I carry in the spirit that can do those things, right? And if I asked if there's somebody I, in a dream I spoke on your finances and something broke out, put up your hand. You see those hands? Thousands. There's something in scripture called commending yourself to the consciences of men. Speaking the truth in love. Some of you don't know this dimension. 2 Corinthians 4.2. He says, we've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness. This, this, this place, this, this level I'm talking about is not of crafty men. Because if you can access such ranks, you can easily manipulate people. You can take advantage of people's spirits to plant what you're not supposed to be planting. So it's expedient for God to consecrate your heart firstly to a certain place of purity where you'll never abuse the liberty that you have to access certain places in the spirit to be able to minister to some people. Now the Bible says we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of truth, that's a certain dimension of manifestation, the Bible says we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. We commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. That means we introduce our spirit's right. Satan sometimes also can carry over identities and misrepresent us. Why? Because he knows that we carry that kind of place in the spirit. So not everything you dream about the man of God is true. You know that people are so quick. Satan can impress a wrong vision on you and then you carry it. Why? Because he knows that our image or our Identity carries something in the spirit. The Bible says, no marvel, Satan has transformed himself as an angel of what? Of light. He saw how an angel of light would look like. Anybody that bears the truth. And then he transformed himself into that angel of light. You see, when we're talking about, when we're talking about an angel of light, here, it translates as a messenger of light. In him was the life. And the life was the light of men. You see? Now, as we preach the glorious gospel, 
as we reveal and expand the knowledge of Christ, we, in that instance, are also angels of light. We're messengers of the gospel. Are you following what I'm saying? It's, some of you think it only ends in your definition of an angel. When you study the scripture, in some instances, the definitions there of angel does not necessarily mean the angelic beings. Angel simply means messenger of God. And he can come in a human being. For God who shined in darkness, who caused the light to shine in darkness, commanded the light to shine in darkness. The Bible says, He has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Did you get it? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So this knowledge that comes out of us preaching to you is actually light. We are messengers of light. So Satan can try to transform himself into a certain being. You find a sister and four boys are all sure they dreamt her as their wives. So that's Satan trying to take advantage of your image because he knows how you're introduced in the spirit realm. Especially for people who are really ranked high. He can impress a wrong vision. Jesus is doing miracles, says and wonders, casts out devils, and these Pharisees look at him and say, this is Beelzebul, the prince of devils. How did a Pharisee get a vision that Jesus, the son of God, is Beelzebul? Except Satan gave a false vision of the Christ. This happened to Jesus. It can happen to any man, however righteous you are. That is why even in the place of prayer, consecrate your image in the spirit. That's the Lord taught me this years ago. I had an experience long ago where I had to contend because the devil can misrepresent you. He can damage you when he finds the gullib and the weak. So you must learn to consecrate your image and your representation in the spirit. So the devil does not take advantage to use your image to give uh, demonic instructions or misrepresent you in the hearts of those that must hear you. Because some attacks come that way. He might not attack you with a flu or a cough, but he can attack you by misrepresenting you or your rank in the spirit. Hallelujah. Now, I was talking about the place of commending yourself to the consciences of men. Learning to consecrate yourself to a place where you are introduced right in the ministry, the office, the mandate, and character of the grace of God on your life to be able to minister to many. Some, it may never be a dream. Some, you will get into their thoughts the right way. You will get into their thoughts the right way. And some of you need this. It's the only way they can sign that contract in your name. Because how do you stand before a person who is supposed to sign a multi-million dollar deal before you and you look like you're a thief? Say, I met the guy, but I have my reservations. I can't leap in the breach. I doubt him. That's the way he talks. Did you see his eyes? Yet you're the most honest person the world has ever seen. 
But in the spirit, you look like a thief. Somebody say fire. So, if you understand this, you can actually create points of contact either by your image and position or ranking in the spirit to be able to minister to many or even by phronesis, which is the wisdom of God that determines the mode of action in every circumstance because you see the end in sight. You can, by that grace, be able to create points of contacts. Hallelujah. Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 5.15, people brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and coaches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. That's an example of a man who knew how to do it. He consecrated his shadow. Such miracles don't begin with a man's shadow. They begin with the consecration of his image in the spirit. That by that liberty, he casts a certain anointing or grace on his shadow. Some of you have seen me heal with the shadows. But that's not something people think through to place a demand on. Except they have a certain revelation of who you are in the spirit. It's more usually what you are able to define of yourself as you consecrate yourself in the ministry of God. Because you need the manifold graces of ministration. Why? Because the more dimensions you are allowed to access spiritually, to minister to people, is the more number of people you're able to minister to. Because not everybody you will reach this way. There are people who might never step here. But I should know the wisdom to know how to minister to them. There are people who might never even watch my video, but yet I should have a place of ministering to them. That's why there are even people who meet me for the first time and they say, I had a vision of you years ago. There are many people I learned to introduce myself to before they met me. So when they met me, they knew that this was a person. Some of you are in South Africa had a lady, Pastor Sikonzile, Shabango. She had received a vision of me years ago. She had never met me. So one of those days, she meets me in a meeting and she, oh my God, this is the man I've been seeing in my visions. You see? Because God knew that she needed that kind of affirmation in the spirit to trust me with her life. So she submitted to me. You see? Now, there are people you might never reach a certain way. When we say that the gospel is not in chains, it means that the liberty of the spirit can allow you to reach certain... The Bible says, listen, listen, hear me. The Bible says, you are a written epistle known and read by a few men. Did I say a few men? No. He says, you are an epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. In other words, there is a way every man in this world reads you and knows you. Some of you, they know you as unknown. You understand? Paul, one time in defining those places, he says, as unknown yet known. <laughs> as unknown yet known. Paul said it. It's, it's in scripture. So the Bible says, you are known and read by all men. It means even the person you're going to bypass tomorrow when you're walking to work, they might be a stranger to you, but you're not a stranger to their soul. 
by reason of submission to the will and purposes of God, the day you made up your mind to be subservient to his word, God introduced you already to them. They know you yet. They just don't know you yet. Hallelujah. Paul says, as unknown yet well known. You know, some pretend like they don't know us, but they do know us. Do you know how many people are watching me on live stream on YouTube? They can't step here. They know me very well. And you know, it's so funny when the spirit affirms to you that this person knows me. And then you meet them and then they ask them, do you know this young man? And the man says, uh, no, uh, you watch me. You're not telling the truth. But I forgive you. One day you come out and introduce yourself right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, I am known by all men. Hallelujah. 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 There's a very dangerous level. I even fear to talk about it. But some of you once you learn this, you will appear in the dreams of those that matter to advantage you. You remember Pontius Pilate's wife? A woman came in the morning and said, have nothing to do with that man. For the whole night he tormented me. Don't touch that man. Pilate, don't carry a curse on the destiny of your children or your household. A woman told Pilate the whole night he was troubling me. He was talking to me the whole night. Have nothing to do with that man. So Jesus wants to talk to Pilate and realizes I can actually talk to the wife. While he's being scourged, he's beaten, he's in prisons, the spirit is doing his work. Paul says to the church in Colossae, he says, I know the war and drum among you. I understand how you all function. He says, even though I am in prison, even though I'm held in chains in my bones, but he says, but when I come, I shall judge the matters because I see all of you, even though I am absent in the flesh, he says, I'm present in the spirit. I am with you in the spirit, joying, he says, and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. I am in prison, but I'm supervising you. I know who is out of line. When I come, I'm going to judge. This is Paul speaking. So, you know, when we go for parties or, you know, weddings or funerals or whatever, Whatever events there are, somebody says, I'll not be there, but I'll be with you in the spirit. Let me tell you, some of you better stop using that statement. If you're with me in the spirit, you have to be able to tell me everything that transpired. We have to come back after that party and you say, man, the party was nice. Because I was with you in the spirit. We use it simply as rhetoric. Can you window? Figure of speech that I agree with whatever you're doing. I support the cause for which you're doing this. No. These men literally meant that they could be with you in the spirit. What a life. 
but it's a dangerous thing because if it finds an unstable person who has a few screws loose they can get into imaginative composition and call it spiritual experience spiritual <laughs> experience I saw you I was talking with you the whole night and they're like hey, no me I don't remember talking to you you're Kano no I'm not Kano you're in imaginative composition remember in primary they used to tell us you're going to write a story you're going to write an imaginative composition then you have to create scenarios of a world that doesn't exist that's not what I'm talking about but in the spirit there exists a reality that defines these things you will learn how to walk to your leaders and tell them to make the right decisions <laughs> hallelujah glory to God glory to God glory to God when a woman learns that you'll never quarrel with your husband you'll never quarrel he refuses you wire him you don't know what it's like for Abraham to wake up and God tells him listen to your wife she commended herself to God and the next day God spoke to his hard head hallelujah not this one I mean like Abraham our father hallelujah are you learning something so a point of contact is in the action because actions are things in the spirit did you know that actions are things in the spirit the bible says whatsoever is not done in faith is sin do you know just simply speaking is doing something it's an action it's an action hallelujah and it can extend to you know like in the story of Paul the Bible tells us he had handkerchiefs and aprons that touched him the Bible says wrought special miracles by Paul that from his body the Bible says were brought handkerchiefs and aprons to the sick and diseases departed and those with evil spirits the demons went out okay yes he used hankies and sent them that's not the only definition can be anointing oil it can be anything as long as it provokes a certain action for a man to place a demand as an expression of his revelation of God concerning a thing hallelujah praise the Lord Jesus are you following this now let's go back to this woman because it's important for us to understand this story the Bible tells us 12 years she's with a blood disease. And she tells herself, if I but may touch, I may connect to a certain point of contact. But the Bible calls it the hem of his garment, the tassel of his garment. There's a version, I think, is it Matthew? Which speaks of the hem of his garment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. She said that I may be made whole. 
The Bible says in Numbers 15 verses 37 and I want us to read there. When God was helping Israel become a nation, he gave them certain instructions to follow. And the scriptures tell us, the Lord spoken to Moses, verses 37, Numbers 15, saying, speak unto the children of Israel and bid them that they may make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations and that they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue. Are you listening? Tell every Israelite in every generation that shall come to make fringes on the corners or borders of their garments. So every Israelite who had a garment, they were instructed by God to go on every corner of that garment and put fringes. And it shall be unto you for a fringe that you may look upon it. This is why. And remember, listen, all the commandments of the Lord, that you remember the word of the Lord and do them and carry an action for it. So the fringes that were on the corners of clothes were always to remind them of everything God had spoken and the necessity for them to apply some sort of action in obedience to what God had said. This is important. And that you seek not after your own heart and your own eyes after which you use to go a whoring. Don't use your own heart and your own eyes. Use spiritual eyes. This is for spiritual eyes to carry the revelation of God. That's the essence of the fringes on the corners. Verses 40, that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God and the Lord your God which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. He repeats the same in Deuteronomy 22 verses 12. He says, you shall make yourselves tassels on the four corners of your cloak with which you cover yourself. English, give me the message version. One, two, three, let's read. What does it say? Uh-huh. Make tassels on the four corners of the clock which you use to carry, cover your, yourself. So this was a known fact. That every Jew which had clothes had corners where they put tassels or fringes to be able to remind themselves of the word of God and the importance of obeying it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When Mark says, and I wanted us to go back a bit, I wanted to help some of us. When Mark says that she said, if I but may touch his garment. I wanted to emphasize that Matthew 9.20 has the same story. I wanted to get this for you. He says, and behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem. I wanted us to emphasize the word, the hem of his garment. So she didn't just touch everywhere. She was not fighting through the people to touch everywhere. She was looking at the hem. Praise the Lord. And some of you who have seen the 
prayer show of the Jews, the Talit, called the Talit. It has on the corners, it has what? Tassels. It has fringes. And some even carry scriptures, certain commandments, which they were to remind themselves every now and then. So when you talked about a fringe on a corner of a garment, you're talking about some of them, like I said, in culture, wrote scriptures on them for memorization and confession to remind them of the word of God and their bound duty to be able to respond, to act upon the word given by God. Now this becomes more interesting. So the scriptures now are telling us that this woman with the issue of blood did not just want to come to touch Jesus as a point of contact, but she had a revelation in the part that she should touch because she had heard of Jesus, but she also had a revelation of Christ. So what the people around her were screaming was that Jesus was coming. But this woman had a revelation of Christ. She knew him as the word. How do I know? She sought to touch the place of the word. Are you getting what I'm saying? She sought to touch the place where the word was where the command was. Remember, Jesus is the word. Are you following? He is the word that is made flesh. The Bible says the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his only glory as the only true son of God, full of grace and truth. Follow me. She's saying, you're not just Jesus, but you are the word. And for me to provoke this miracle out of you, I need to touch where you're able to understand, where I can where I can connect to the virtue necessary for my miracle. If it is Jesus, anybody can touch him. But if he is the word, he needs to know that among those who are following the man, there's a person who understands that he's the word made flesh. Are you following what I'm saying? So the Bible tells us that she gets in. Remember the story of the priestly anointing? And how the anointing flows from the beard of what? And to what? To the garments, to the what? To the scats of his garment. She knows that every priest has the most consecrated anointing where the word is. Psalms 133 verses 2, he says it's like precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garment. Did you hear what I just said? The most concentrated grace and anointing on any priest is most demonstrated where they connect to the word. Where they can connect to the word. Where they are built and defined by Logos. And out of there, men glean rema. I'm speaking, but everyone is receiving their own rema. Have you noticed that when I'm preaching, many times the anointing starts to move? Why? Because I'm at the word. As I'm preaching the word, the concentration, right, of the anointing 
is most defined where the word is. That is why there should not be a priest who does not know the word. The qualification he says if a man requires to be a bishop he requires a good thing. He mentions many things but he says apt to teach. You must be able to teach. You must know the word. I don't care how anointed you are. I don't care how much vestry you're carrying. I don't care how much regalia is on you. You must know how to teach. Apt to teach. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verses 2. Because you'll never get of the best of the anointing. Jesus the priest in the order of Melchizedek knew it. That he had to come in the form of the word. Now everybody knows Jesus the man which is healing the sick. But there's a woman who knows that this is the word made flesh. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So if I touch the hem. The fringe. The edge. Those of you who want to study Hebrew. The Hebrew word for corners is kalnaf. And the fringes are zitzit. <laughs> That's how it's pronounced. Zitzit. Praise the Lord. If I can, if I may but touch, the Greek word there will not show you the zitzit or the kalnaf. It will show you something called krasbedon. But krasbedon is the very word meaning the corner and its fringes. So it's important for you to understand this. You might go to Greek and find krasbedon. But it's the same meaning from the Hebrew. The zitzit which are the fringes and the kalnaf which are the corners. Now, she must have studied the scriptures and known that there is a word going to come in the flesh one day. And when she started hearing what this word was doing, and I can prove it, I have a feeling this woman studied Malachi. Let's open Malachi chapter 4 verses 2. Listen, Malachi chapter 4 verses 2. The Bible says, But unto you that fear my name, Remember that particular point Malachi was available as a book. They were reading the prophets. He says, but unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his kalnaf, fringes, zitzit. He shall rise with healing in his kalnaf. He shall rise with healing. The word there for wings touches the hem. So he shall rise with healings in his wings and he shall go forth and grow up as cows of the store. She must have read and said, mm, the one coming, there's a man coming. If I hear that he's healing the sick, Malachi had prophesied that the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in the fringes. With healing in the skirts of the garment. She knew that Malachi had prophesied this. Are you following what I'm saying? She must have known. Otherwise, she can't hear Jesus healing and she's only fighting to touch one place except she had a revelation of him. Now, the point of contact that provoked her faith to place a demand on the healing virtue of the Christ was out of the revelation of God. So without revelation, you can't claim to understand the point of contact. You might partake of it, but you can't claim to understand it. Because later, when some people heard that there's a woman who touched the hem, they also started copying it. Hallelujah. They also started what? Copying it. If you go in Matthew 14, verses 35, some men in a certain place had the knowledge that Jesus was coming. 
They sent out in all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought that they might only touch the hem of his garment and as many as touched him, they were made perfectly whole. But this was after a certain woman had opened the door. So there... Did you get it? There are certain people that might participate as an extension of the glory and grace you have accessed by reason of having expressed yourself by faith in a certain revelation that God had given you and some might partake of it after but because they do it they mean they understand it you can enter a door you never open it's possible so this is not the wisdom that teaches you to enter open doors. It's the wisdom that teaches you to open a door when you find a closed one. Somebody shout hallelujah. So there is no excuse for you to have your answer when you must get your answer. Ladies and gentlemen, I reiterate, the place of point of contact has a lot to do with your revelation of the person of God. Don't deceive yourself that you're always just going to carry hankies and what because you're coping others. You might partake, but there's also a chance of not getting the miracle because you don't have the revelation of the person that did it first. That is why never build your faith on what everybody does. Build your faith on what you understand in God. Who has understood what I just said? Get your own point of contact. Provoke your own faith according to the revelation of the divinity. And then press into and receive your miracle according to your revelation. Why? Because chances are that what you know and see, not everybody sees. And it's possible for a man to carry something nobody here understands. Diversities of gifts, same anointing. Diversities of administration, same anointing. Same grace, same spirit. Diversities of operation, but same spirit. The Bible says, God worketh all in all. Hallelujah, somebody. You can get one revelation like this, one like this, that can make you do something that can change your life forever and connect you to a point of contact, open a window that human history has never tempted before. Because you have received something that only heaven can give. A woman once came to Jesus' feet. Washed them. And some disciples are disturbed. This money she's wasting. Of the oil she has poured on his feet. It could have been used. To feed the poor. To feed the hungry. And Jesus said, let this woman alone. He says she has done this in preparation of my burial. They don't even yet know that this man is going to die. They are not sure he's going to die. But he said she did this against the day of my burial. She has kept this. Why? Because there's a woman who by revelation picked it. That on the day when women go to anoint bodies as it was the customs of the Jews. That when a person died two, three days later you went there in the sepulcher or the tomb or the you know and opened it and, and embalmed the body with oils it was the culture so you go and put some oils on the what and the bible tells us the first day of the week mary magdalene woke up early and then she goes into the sepulcher to do as the custom had required and when she enters jesus wasn't in there why because there was a woman 
there was a woman who decrypted the code and she picked it while no disciple understood that this fellow when they come to put oil on him as on a dead body he won't be in that sepulcher and Jesus said no this thing she's doing this it has to be told through the whole world it has to be told through the whole world he says whatever this gospel shall be preached the Bible says in the whole world there also this that this woman has done shall be told as a memorial pouring only oil no being able to decrypt a code in the spirit to go ahead of men and do an action in your faith and connect to something nobody has been open to yet it can happen hallelujah you remember blind Bartimaeus the story of blind Bartimaeus same thing Jesus is passing by he screams son of David he's not calling him as no he's saying son of David son of David have mercy on me son, that was his point of contact people can call Jesus Christ people can say master some people say Lord but when it came to Bartimaeus he said son of David have mercy on me and the Bible says Jesus turned why because somebody had called him son of David hallelujah hallelujah so I assume in my spirit and you can correct me if you think otherwise that Bartimaeus in his blindness must have had a conviction somewhere as the Bible says and I'll open for some of you I had not actually planned to go there but let me go there in Isaiah 11 they had these books they read verses 1 that there shall come forth a road out of the stem of Jesse a branch shall grow out of his roots and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might spirit of knowledge and the fear of the lord verses three and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the lord and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes neither reprove by the hearing of his eyes but with righteousness the bible says he shall judge the poor remember the scriptures tell us and i've preached that someone before the bible called him poor blind Bartimaeus. he was introduced as poor blind Bartimaeus. So he knew that there was a person coming who was going to reprove with equity the meek of the world and shall judge the poor with righteousness. What righteousness can you give a poor man except to give him sight so he can go fetch his own food? So he knows that the Bible tells us as he has read in scripture that there is going to come a rod out of the stem of Jesse. A branch shall go out of his roots. He knows they are talking about who? David. David was the seed of Jesse. That's the branch they're talking about. So he says, ah, this is the son of. When he hears Jesus passing by, he screams, son of David, I know. I'm provoking you by Isaiah 11. That's why when Bartimaeus comes to him, he doesn't come to ask that he may see. He knows that he has met the son of David. He says that I may receive. I have it. I just want to receive it. I know it's mine. The fact that I've come 
Oh, did somebody get it? The fact that I've come in contact, the fact that I've come in contact with the son of David, I see already. Now I just want to receive. I just want to receive it. I know it's there. What do you want me to do for you? That I may receive my sight. And Jesus told him what? Your faith has made you whole. And immediately he received his sight. You know there's a difference between being given and receiving. Bartimaeus received. That is why later, is it in 14? Again he meets two blind men. Huh? You remember the story? He meets two blind men. They come to Jesus and they ask that they might see. But they also scream, coping Bartimaeus. Because they had heard there was a Bartimaeus who was blind. But we heard him screaming, Jesus, son of David. Yeah, Matthew 9, 27. The Bible says, they followed him crying, saying, thou son of David, have mercy on us. Verses 28 says, and when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him. Jesus said unto them, believe ye that I'm able to do this. And they said, yeah, Lord. And then touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, be it done unto you. And they received their sight. Now, they are copying Bartimaeus. It's possible to copy another man's point of contact and it works for you. Now, I didn't come to teach you how to copy a point of contact. I did labor a whole hour to be a cheap copy of a great original. I came to provoke your spirit this evening. To stir yourself to a place, pattern, principle and process. Where you are able to manufacture your own. Unique. And define a place for others to also follow after. <laughs> Somebody shout glory to God. I feel like praying. I have a lot to say, but I feel like praying. I feel, I feel something has provoked me to pray. I feel the Holy Spirit is telling me, we need to connect to this. We need to connect to this. You need the grace that can see God through his word and be able to manufacture a point of conduct as an action to express your faith according to that revelation. Some of you will find yourself in certain places doing certain things you have never heard of or read from anywhere and they are going to provoke heaven to answer. I can testify of things I have done by God and I don't tell you that I've ever heard anywhere but in my spirit I knew that by reason of the revelation that I had received by Christ I had the liberty to express myself in those realities and it worked for me. It worked for me. One day I'll teach a very deep sermon on a certain gadget called my microwave. Some of you will understand it. I've mentioned it once. It's a sermon of its own. I wanted to connect to a certain grace of provision and wealth. And I read something in scripture and the spirit of the Lord provoked me to just go buy a microwave. And every night I put it just on the feet side of the bed. And every morning the Spirit of the Lord provoked me to speak to it. That's how wealth came. 
There's another woman she can testify here. I remember us teaching in the church. And then in the teaching, she got a revelation. She wanted to build a home, but she had failed. She had no money. No money for years. Some of you have heard of her story. As I was preaching, she picked a point of contact and told herself, I'm going to build a house this year. The woman says in her story, she went and bought two bricks because that's what she could afford. Two bricks! One, two. Took them at the site where she wanted to build and said, I'm going to build a home. And she built it and finished it with a point of contact of only two bricks. And she put them in a line and said, my house is going to move like this. And she just needed two bricks to build a house. She just needed two bricks to build a house. For me, I just needed one microwave. To make hundreds and hundreds of millions. The things of the gospel can be foolish. But they are the power of God unto salvation. To us who are saved. It is the power of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now you're going to make that kind of prayer. God positioned my spirit to receive the revelation that I need to provoke, express myself through faith in the times when I need to fix things according to the revelation I've received of you. Let's pray. The Bible says, God up the loins of your mind. Be sober to the end. Watching for the revelation or the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Open your mouth, let's pray. Shake something out of your spirit. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. Your name is powerful. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. Your name is glorious. Oh Jesus. Your name is powerful. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. Shatala Paladi. Come on, provoke your spirit. Your name.
by His Spirit. Yeah, for the Spirit, such as all things, the deep things of God, sounding the bottomless things. Holy Spirit, breathe into me. Do something in my spirit. That's a counsel. That's a hidden thing. Something beyond human scrutiny. Give me something that is not easily explored, that no man can examine, no man can judge, except you, O God. God is delivering people here. 
God is delivering people here. Make a talapa. Give me feet. Marco Brande. So Cotilla Parade. So Brande Gasoda. Marcatole Parade. So Pacata. Today's the day. Something comes in your life. Today's the day. Something comes in your ministry. Today's the day. Something comes in your family. Today's the day. Something comes in your body. Something comes in your business. Makatalapo. Rapatelepa. So Brande Kata. Yere Kote. Makatalapa. Yere Kosimbra. Katalapa. Yere Kosekete. Yaro Brande Kato. Yara Katalapa. Yere Koti Bazanda. Oseketelepa. Yara Kotelepa. Witchcraft leaves. Witchcraft leaves. Witchcraft leaves. Witchcraft leaves. Mako Parate. Masanta Kata. Saparateka Parade. Robradeka Sopa. Sakatala Parade. Rokoshi Katalapa. Rombeke Telepa. Hey, receive the anointing. Receive the anointing. If you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, come here and I pray with you. If you're there and you say, I want to be born again. I want to give my life to Jesus. Just repeat this verse to me. Just say these words. Say, Father God, I thank you for the gift of Jesus. He died for my sins and was raised for my glory. Today, I make a personal decision to receive Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I am born again. My life is changed. My name is written in the book of life in Jesus' name. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.